Hey, can I just say right off the top, Rolf Henneman engineered this. No he, shit. He, oh. he, uh, he's Raffi's guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Look it up. We don't know what the song is yet. You can't say it right at the top. We don't know what the song is yet. We just hear beeps and bloops. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll kick in in a second. Maybe. Hold on. Let's just sit here quietly. Where do you think they are? <laughs> in front of a keyboard? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Ah, this is uh, Spaceship Superstar by Prism. Wait, I remember that song. Do you? I do. I believe we covered it in uh, an episode called... Uh... Well, you, well you're, you're wrong. We didn't cover it. JD got really silent, and it was in the episode of Moonshots. Moonshots! That's where I went. This is the one I skipped past. Yeah. It was an awesome song out in hindsight. Yeah, the best song. Because we were cracking wise all over it. And you lost faith in your concept. I did. That was in, in our uncom- my unconfident days of episode 16. Now I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Moonshots. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anecdote. Something about prism. Something about how I interrupted JD. You did that one already. You did it already. You already mentioned how I got flustered. So and he cut gonna... the song short. Something about... Well, I got to read what I wrote here. Uh, okay, fine. Right, Steve. Oh, I have to. Something about how I was promised what? a new moonshot, which I was, by the you way. You were promised yes, a that new is true. That is true. You were promised a new moonshot. And so I took last time off the poop. In protest. That's nice, how, to ha- nice to that's have how, you back on the throne. Yeah, hey, well, yeah welcome back. Welcome back. That's how I that's how I protest on the toilet. And now I'm doing my own goddamn moonshot. Uh, you have something to say about this song, JD, it's, but before it's, we move on? It's a jam. It's a galactic anthem of moonshots. I'm really sorry I didn't talk more about it last time. This is also a sweet clunk rock so- song in the chorus. Yeah, this song is a jam. The whole song sounds like a lighter version of space trucking. And you, know what, and you know what? The, you remember when I uh, spoke a little bit ago about how there's got to be a genre of music of guys who kind of suck, but they talk about how awesome they are and they play sold-out shows? Yeah. yeah. The whole reason <laughs> was because I wanted to get this song back in a show. Oh, uh, well, you can still do that genre because that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ram Jam would fit on there. <laughs> Anyways, so listen to the optimism in, these, in this song about the future, about the moon, about space travel. Now think about the idea of going to the airport today to take an Earth plane to Phoenix. Ugh. Yeah, man, that sounds shitty. If they let your plane go to Phoenix, yeah, it might melt. Oh yeah, exactly. That was that happened. Just topical. Yeah. Yeah, sounds like hell. Well, well, that optimism was then during the original Moonshots, but this is Moonshots 2000. Put a pin in that, because we're going to talk about Moonshots 2000 later. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast, the only podcast in town that makes up musical genres, counts them down from 10 to 1. But we're the guys who... My name is J.D. Riznar. Hello, my name is Hollywood Steve. David Lyons. Hunter. And we're the guys who created uh, Yacht Rock, the term, the internet show, everything except the garbage uh, internet radio station. The satellite radio station and the oh, so it's the, the season again. The cover band of cool guys. Yeah, you don't really do yacht rock. Anyone, anyone who's rock. asking us on Facebook what channel the yacht rock station is on Sirius, we don't run the yacht rock station on Sirius. It would be good. FYI. It would be good if we did. Yeah. 
It'd be great if we... They just co-opted our uh, term. But listen, because we made Yacht Rock, we like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock every single week. That's this time. season again. So, Dave, mm. what is this song? All right, last week I was visiting good friend of the podcast, Tony Zaret. Never heard of him. He played this song for me. Maybe it was a combination of the... All the uh, Lady Liberty Cosmos and Crazy Hagars I just consumed at an unnamed Times Square establishment. Wait, hold on. So you went back there? Was it Red Lobster? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter where was it, it was. We were just done seeing Neil Diamond. It was we... it was an American kitchen, though. Yeah, right? we needed some Crazy Hagars, Wait, man. You done, to... you done saw Neil Diamond? Yeah. Why do you think I went to New York? I don't, I don't know. I didn't yeah. care. Yeah. You go there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Probably to just get drunk with Tony. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Hey, hey, get off my back, moms. Uh, anyway, um, where were we? Uh, Times Square. He played this song, and it hit me as an excellent example of Yatsko. And what does it for me is that guitar. That's Captain Fingers himself, good old Lee Rittenauer. He's covering the Leo Sayers song, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing, Dancing, Dancing. You know, it's, it's got that, it sounds, it's a disco song, and that guitar cuts it through into the yacht, but there's also this elite bounce. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a so, slide guitar. This is hardly even disco. The original is more disco than this, right. but, you know, yeah, it's that guitar. It's yeah, the, the bounce is much closer to yacht than disco, like but that, I certainly get both from the Sounds song. like the blind guy from the Double Down. Huh? No, no one's a Roadhouse fan? Get the fuck out of here. Oh, the dude that played the lap? Yeah. What, what was that guy's name? Jeff Healy? Yeah, it's him. Get out of here! Yeah, okay. Now, the original came out in 1976 and had some yachty personnel on it, including Larry Carlton, Steve Gadd, and Ray Parker Jr., who started some shit by saying that he actually wrote the song. Basically, he claimed that he wrote it, and Capitol Records said, prove it. And he said, I didn't make a tape. And they said, that's not proof. So on Discogs, he's credited as uncredited. I don't believe that Ray Parker Jr. wrote this because it's not about cheating. That's a good point. Uh, The one we're listening to, released in 79 on Lee's Feel the Night album, uh, has some pretty impressive personnel. You got Patty Austin on lead vocals. That's her singing. Uh, That's what lead vocals means. (laughs) I had to explain that. Uh, You've got... uh, A.B. Baby Laborio on bass. Steve Gadd coming back to drum. Possibly Larry Williams on flute. Can't really tell. Who's Larry Williams? Uh, he's someone that Hunter talks about with horns. Wait, Steve Gadd came back to drum? Where'd he go? He was uh, on the first the original on, version. He was on Leo Sayers. Oh! Version. Yeah, get the jizz out of your ears. Wait, is somebody re-recording it? You feel like, made me feel like dancing? <laughs> I'm in! Well, I didn't know he left. And came back. Yeah. He just waited in the studio until uh, Lee Rittenauer he probably, to cover it. He was probably just hadn't left. He was just drumming for everybody else in the world. Hey, we need Steve Gadd to lay down some drums on uh, Asia. That's, well, he's uh, he's he's waiting in the yeah, he's waiting, studio for Lee. Lee he's sleeping in the back. Yeah. He doesn't go anywhere. He's the Gad. All right. In addition he's to the that, Gadfly. <laughs> the Gadabout. The Gadfather. In addition, we've got frickin' David Foster on piano, Steve Lukather on rhythm guitar, Chuck Finley, and Jerry Hay coming in with the horns. You spelled uh, Jerry Hay wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Let's H-E-Y. No one can tell, you, though. Let's Yatsky this and, and the original. It's because he didn't say it right. What? Oh, hey. There it is. No. Nah, you spelled it right there. I don't want to write Yatsky these. That's boring. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll do it some other time. We'll, we'll do it, to, uh, we'll do it to open up a... Yeah. So you want to get on with the show? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you ready to talk about Moonshots 2000? 
Yeah. Yeah. Shake yeah. out. Maybe it's time you get that cough checked out. Hey, can I say this right off the top? This is the second space song that starts with a slow fade in that we've heard today. I think this entire song's a slow fade in. <laughs> I think you're right. It is. Uh, okay, uh, hold on. Before you say that, JD, I just want to say right it's off the late. top. Too late. I already said things right off the no, top. No, 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 no. This isn't the top hold anymore. On. Hold on. Before you say that, I just want to say right off the top. Middle. Hold on. I just want to say right off the top. Toward the top, but not really, because I did the top. Top of the middle. Hold on. Okay. So I just want to say right off the top that Moonshots songs 2000. over. I'll give it to you. <laughs> There's the songs about or relating to space from electronic artists from the 90s as the millennium approached and everyone was dejected and scared as shit. The original Moonshots made you want to take off in a semi-truck to the moon. These Moonshots made you want to hide under your bed till the moon fucks off. Your 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 uh, podcast player is not at 1.5, folks. Hunter is jamming. I just wanted to say that right off the top. Uh, so in in this case, wait. Okay, I think we're ready for Moonshots 2020, where we know the sun's not coming back and we want to laser our brains out. That's what I wrote. <laughs> and read. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hunter. The next line is yours. Yes. Uh, okay, let's go. Let's get into it. To understand Moonshots 2000, you have Oh, that's the future! Yes. You have to do a little background. We'll get there, Steve. Okay. We'll get to the future. I just got excited because I realized that the year 2000 is the future. <laughs> yeah. We have, to, we have to go. We got, got to go back. Got to go back and... Somebody finish it. Time. There it is. Uh, there's a thing called space rock that emerged in the late 60s, early 70s. It came out of the original psychedelic music scene and ran parallel with the emerging progressive rock genre. Sci-fi, the mysteries of space, lots of drugs combined with it uh, to make a sound that seemed out of this world. It was ambient, droning, and space trippy. It would be the pred- predecessor to shoegaze and relaxed electronic music. One can describe a main characteristic as a lengthy drone. Probably great to get high to, use in the background of your planetarium presentation, or bore your friend Dave shitless. Yeah. This space rock obviously preceded the moon landing and uh, moonshots, which really combined the psychedelic ideal of being far out, man, space being the farthest, farthest out you can get, and also the realist, realistic assumption that, hey, we can actually go to space and colonize and bring rock music to the galaxy. So let's get on this shit before the year 2000 so we can get those prime gigs at the Boom Casino. Woo! Yeah, like they, they sent Chuck Berry's Johnny B. Good out into space. I, I think it was the Voyager spacecraft. And the gold record. Yeah. The golden record in there. Um, so let's define moonshots as we did in episode 16. Moonshots are songs about space, the moon, spaceships, UFOs, uh, almost all created within 10 years of man walking on the moon. It took 10 years of this beautiful garbage before people started to realize that singing about outer space in their rock and roll was a little lame. So I think that this song that we're listening to now must be a reaction to that realization, a little bit of an antidote. Yeah. And so, because te- you can't call it lame, you can call it boring, but it's just yeah, cool yeah, that's, about that's, it. you saw me giggling over yeah, here. I was yeah. like, ah, it might be a little <laughs> lame, but you're right. It's not lame. Uh, it's boring. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm in uh, line at a like the worst ride in Tomorrowland, the worst part of Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why do we go in here? It sounds so cool and it's so fucking dumb. Uh, yeah, so this is Brian Eno with the song Stars from his 1983 album Apollo Atmospheres and Soundtracks. I remember why we came in here. It was the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Eno, uh, like, uh, say, Tangerine Dream and uh, 
Vangelis, 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 and Mike Oldfield. Uh, they started taking space rock into the electronic and ambient arena by this time. Um, this would be definitely a major influence on Moonshots uh, 2000. And hey, uh, there were still 17 years uh, to build that Moon Casino, so there's time. They got time, yeah. you know. It's a shame that after 14 years of getting what Moonshots would sound like, if if you were to hear music on a sp- People got it wrong in the first 14 years of Moonshots, but then Brian Eno discovered that, no, this is what it sounds like to make music on a space planet. This song is like the mapping of the human genome of the Moonshot genre. Everything changed. It's also interesting that Bowie was such a pioneer of Moonshots, and his buddy Brian Eno started to beat a path to Moonshots 2000. Can they meet on a moon? We'll find out by the end of this episode. Okay. So let's talk about electronic music. Modern. Can I say this off the top? This one is, has faded in as well. It's three for three. Yeah. Okay. So electronic music. Sure. It's probably music, but it's <laughs> also electronic. And the, thing about, oh. and the thing about electronic is that it's made by robots from the future. And robots from the future love to vacation in outer space. To wit, electronic music is a medium built for songs about outer space and robots. And that's why this is Daft Punk with 2013's Contact. It was made way past Moonshots 2000, but since we continually, you know, take one step forward and two two steps back, it, it still works, you know? Yeah. Uh, and just as interesting as the Jodie Foster movie Contact. Yeah, this is a pretty good song, I think. It's a good movie. I like that movie. There, yeah, so my point holds. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, yeah, anyways, this song is a pretty good example of a Moonshot 2000, uh, despite being from the wrong era. And what exactly is that era? It's the future. Yeah. Specifically, the future residing between the mid-90s and the year 2000. The future! And you see, Moonshots 2000 combined the technologically superior sound of electronic music, the spirit of droning space rock, and the existential dread of having to give up the dream of that moon casino as we approach the new millennium. In the future! Space is now scary, unapproachable, pessimistic, distant, detached, cynical, monotonous, pointless. The darkness that creeps in, the mirror of our unrealized potential. The bleachers for the universe to watch our timely demise. So today you'll hear the sounds of rocket ships and barren soundscapes, dangerous space wars, and tears in the rain. It's not going to be as exciting as that sounds, I guarantee you that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there will be instrumentals, sorry. And there will be annoying, repetitive ro- robot noises. I'm not sorry about that. It says Hunter Stare, who I might remind you is Kraftwerk's number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm their number one fan. Yes. No, I really just want them in the Hall of Fame. I think yeah, they, they do deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'll add to this, Hunter, that uh, a lot of these, instru- these repetitive instrumentals were actually hit singles over in the UK. Which is why I chose them. The Australia of Europe. Terrible place. <laughs> uh, and I also want to tell you... what's the Australia... Of, of what? What's Australia? JD hates Australia. It's Australia. Of Australia? Yeah, it's a terrible place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into it, I just want to give a note about the social function of a lot of this music. Like, uh, a good chunk of these tracks fall under the category of ambient techno, which is basically ambient music that has a chance of being interesting. Uh, and it was frequently played at raves in the 90s in what were called chill-out rooms, where if you got tired of dancing on ecstasy in the main space, you could go sit down and drink water and massage your jaw muscles and come down from your bad drug trip. 
So a lot of these tracks, they'll maintain the metaphor of space travel equaling getting high on drugs. And they'll mix the sense of either mirroring or soothing your bad trip in different uh, proportions. Yeah, that's the psychedelic effect. Yeah. Now, I am nowhere near an expert on this genre, but I think you might hear a few traces of repetition. Listen for it, and I'll try to point it out when it comes up. Thanks for keeping an eye out, Dave. You got it. Always the Watchman. Can I ask you guys a question? Does this, this, this song sound, like, optimistic? It's getting there. It kind of sounds like yeah, it's a... It's got a slow build up Like to an a... intro to the Proto-Men and like it's about to kick ass. Just never does. So maybe maybe the we've we've softened a little in 13 years post... At the end of this build-up, it's just go... I think it's travels impossible. Kind of, I think. Yeah. Uh, one, more, one more note. Uh, just be, because Electronica didn't break, break super big in America during its creative prime in the 90s, almost all these artists are from Europe. Uh, many are from the UK where the underground rave scene was very popular as a place for young people to take drugs. I hear that. That's the sound of the engines failing, I think. Yeah. Steve, yep. Steve yep. is there anything you'd like to tell us about the painkillers you were prescribed? <laughs> I feel like I covered a lot of that in the last episode. All right. Well, hey, before we move they on. They did kind of mellow me out in like a spacey little feeling. Uh, let's check in with the Beyond Yacht Rock crotch watch. <laughs> uh, Steve, how's your crotch? It's getting better. It's uh, I've recovered some flexibility and range of motion. In your crotch? I'm actually sitting down this episode in my yep. crotch. Yep, in my crotch. Yeah, I, and, I, I uh, like to report that there's, there's no cane helping Steve to hold nope, his crotch I ditched, up. I yeah. ditched the cane. But, uh, but the walking, sandals are still here. I'm walking slower. I'm still walking slowly, but I'm walking normally. You had a uh, dong cane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my third leg. Huh. It wasn't on his dong, but, you know, it was helping his... And never mind. I think, we, I think the spaceship just blew up. If you want to know about Steve's canes, take shorter shits. Yeah, audience. No, that was for you, Hunter. Oh, um... Are you ready to count this down? Uh, yeah. I don't know, Five. I feel like this is building. <laughs> Ooh, I like these bumpers. <laughs> Who did them? <laughs> Wait, can I say it right off the top? Tom York is on this song. What? Tom yeah. York. Tom York. Oh, from oh, Radiohead, Tom. that Thom guy. Tom Yorkie is on this song. Right off the top, I gave that fact. And that's and it's pertinent because it's true. Think get to wrap your head around that, people at home. That, that fun fact. Yeah. All right. So listen. Well, you just heard that open. It was the sound of a barren planetary landscape, wind sweeping due to the lack of foliage. Uh, and uh, you know, this is number ten. I felt like I needed to mention Radiohead uh, while they were still transitioning at this time uh, from a post-grunge band. This song, Planet Telex from 1995's The Bends. Uh, set their courses like uh, to a, to become a fully realized electronic rock a, uh, act by uh, 2000 with Kid A. The Benz has a definite recognition of uh, celestial objects and space junk with this and Black Star. Not nearly a full concept, but touches. Uh, it's number 10 because obviously it's not electronic enough for my taste. You hear that? That's Tom York from Radiohead singing. That's him. Oh, Radiohead they got, song. They nailed it. They got him for the. They yeah. roped him in for this one. Yeah, even though this is the opening song on the Benz, it sounds musically and thematically like it could have fit perfectly on OK Computer. Well, this song also marks the last time that I understood Radiohead. You don't, you don't understand OK Computer? Wait, understood okay Radiohead? Computer? Yeah. Or understood the appeal of Radiohead? Well, that was what I wrote, but then I decided... Never mind. Listen. Oh. Okay, because I was going to jump on it and say I never really understood the appeal. Okay. 
There, I said it. Finally. I don't get okay, com- I get okay computer I can handle. Kid A, that's, yeah. Kid A, oh man, that's a mind bender. Sorry, okay, continue. It's 2000. Yeah. Okay, continue. That's your favorite <laughs> yeah. Radiohead album? Yeah. Okay, uh, well, do I need to give background on Radiohead? They're, nope. Yeah, exactly. They're British. They met at a fancy boarding school. Like Pink Floyd. Uh, they made a generic British grunge album. Uh, they were bu- buzzworthed in the MTV buzz bin. Then uh, they pivoted from the heaps of shit like Bush to become the greatest, most innovative band and original band on earth by the Ox. Uh, if anyone wants to fill in the gaps, go ahead. Feel free. Nope. I don't That's know. I don't, York. I don't know the gaps, but I know that Pablo Honey. I know the Gap Band. Pablo Honey, that first album. It slightly transcends generic British grunge, I think. I think it's a pretty dang sweet album. Creep, it's a worldwide classic. You can't deny Creep is a classic. You guys know the number one rule of music, right? When an acapella band covers you, you know you've made it. And I think Pentatonix uh, or someone else covered Creep. It was uh, Street Corner Sym- Symphony. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah. I don't know. Pa- Pablo Honey's like half good. Hey, it's half good. All that grunge crap coming out of that time? It's uh, all you can ask for. It, yeah, it's better It's better than the generic American, like, third-tier American grunge. Yeah. 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 America. Okay. So on this song here, it was originally titled Planet Xerox, but Xerox would sue their asses, so they changed it to Planet Telex. Uh, Telex is a communication network developed in WW2 that sends, I believe, typed messages back and forth securely. And I think it's still done today, mostly for financial transactions. Uh, I'm not really sure how that fits besides being a word that ends with an X. Uh, but I'll interpret the song based on the original Xerox idea, and in that it's an admission that ultimately, even if we colonize another planet, we will still bring the flaws of humanity, that despite landing on Mars, nothing really changes except the drapes. Space travel is ultimately fruitless due to the brand of shaped apes piloting the rocket ships. So no thanks from me, from this guy. I don't want to go to space. And then again, Tom York wrote it while drunk, so it might be about how depressed his dick is. Go for him. I can't function when I'm drunk. I can't function right now, and I'm just drinking a full sugar Coke from Del Taco. <laughs> you could just say Coke. It's full sugar Coke. No dying. Oh, so you, you got Coke dick. I do. I do. <laughs> I don't, have, I don't have anything off the top on this one. You can uh, go ahead and start. Can I, can I just say something off the top? I got nothing to say. Oh, okay. You're nothing. Slow fade in. <laughs> it is another slow fade in, isn't it? Well, yeah. I'll, t- I'll talk about this. Uh, he, listen, it'd be criminal if I didn't bring up the orb. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically... Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, they, they basically uh, made, made moonshots cool again. They did. Uh, am, I, am I right? Sure are. Yeah. Uh, this is Close Encounters off the 1992 album UF Orb. Good title. UF Orb. I love it. Are you have, sure this is about space? Or, um, I think so. And I, I'm going to be honest, uh, I chose this song off of said UF Orb because it has the most action in the first minute. Yes, this is mm. a lot of action. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the climax right here. It's titled Close Encounters because stuff starts happening fairly close to the beginning of the track. Yeah, and the rest is just falling action. Yeah. And resolution. <laughs> yeah, relative. It's relative to themselves. Um, so I've only owned one The Orb album, 1991's debut, The Orb. Which brings the collective uh, Orb, The Orb album's count of our entire group 
to one. Steve, you don't have an orb? No, I have I have the debut, the Orbs Adventures Beyond the Ultra yeah. World, and I have UF Orb. Ah, Steve's those got are, both. Those are the only two you really need. Uh, yeah, it, uh... Thanks th- for making my joke no longer a joke. And, well, you're... We made your... You jumped you made, day. We made you a liar, like always. Well, there's a difference between lot. You know what? Go on. You got your facts wrong again. There we go. Uh, the Orbs Adventures Beyond the Ultra, uh, the ultra World. Uh, it's really good. It's so good one could describe it as seminal uh, because you end up with semen in your pants after listening to it. <laughs> and uh, Julian says we never laugh at each other's yeah, jokes. Yeah, fuck that guy. Is that what he said? He, yeah. tried to tell, he tried to teach us to laugh at each other's jokes because he laughs a lot. He's a good laugher. Yeah. But you know what? We play it cool here at Beyond Yacht Rock. Yeah, we're not, we're not like a well, bunch we, of... Well, we, you earn your laughs. Yeah. You, know? uh, you got to work for them. Yeah, Julian. Uh... <laughs> 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 so anyways, uh, this is their sophomore ef- effort, the UF Orb. Uh, and in ambient circles, it's still pretty legendary. Correct. Uh, I'm confused on who the Orb the orb is or are. I uh, thought they were two DJs from London. But what I found uh, was that it's really one dude, Alex Patterson. Dr. Alex Do- Patterson. Doc- oh, mm, I'm like, sorry. Like Dr. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, the host of uh, UMTV Raps. Okay. The, which one? <laughs> the one with <laughs> the real doctor. Yeah, the real doctor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Patterson, who started uh, as a roadie with for the band Killing Killing Joke, uh, and then another, and then there's another two or three revolving uh, cast of DJs on this and Ultra World. It was uh, Chris Weston. And a uh, note on Killing Joke, they're a post-punk band, it kind of leaned a little bit industrial, and their bassist, who went by the name of Youth, uh, he was born Martin Glover, uh, he was an import- He became an important co-producer later on on a lot of the early Orb stuff. Was he related to tap dancing sensation Savion Glover? No? That's an no, excellent question. Uh, he might be related to the fantastic lead singer of Living Color, Corey Glover. Mm-hmm. Except that they're from different countries, but they could be related. I Either way, they all get together and say, we're getting too old yeah. for this shit. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of something called meeting on airplanes and fucking, because that's what happens when that's how you have babies. I can name three more Glovers. How many can you guys name? Uh, I can, well, because Danny I, Glover. I, I, Dad, I want you to name them. Oh. I just, yeah. let's, uh, we're playing a game. Okay, I, I can, can name, name three. I can name two. I can name this Glover in three. I can do two. I forgot what the young actor's name oh, is. So. That's the one I got. Yeah. I keep forgetting his first name. All right, Dave. Uh, you go first. Well, Danny Glover was the one I was okay. going to say. And Donald Glover. Oh, yeah. Donald Glover. Um, um, Childish Gambino and Star of Community. Yeah, well, okay. Don't stop stalling. New What's Lando. your third one? Um, hmm. Go ahead, Hunter. Crispin Glover. Yeah. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, Crispin Glover. Man, where were we on that? I won. There's also a pitcher on the Nationals right now named Coda Glover. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> it was fitting because he's the last Glover we named. Oh, he's on my he's on my fantasy team and he's injured. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So back save to it moon- for your fantasy we uh, save, podcast. We had to save Coda for last. <laughs> so back to Moonshots <laughs> 2000. This song, Close Encounters, is clearly about outer space. Uh, probably, probably space sex on the drugs, and uh, hey, everything sounds okay at the beginning until you get to that last part of the song, which JD is around 7:30. Shall I go there? Sure, why not? It's a goddamn horror movie about everyday space life. Right, it's coming. Here we go. Yeah, here it comes. This is terrifying. I don't Whoa. know. What, I don't know what's happening. Oh, the phone's ringing. But I'm not chill. Well, I like. The- I'm totally freaked out. 
and I have still have no interest in space travel. Sounds like Savion Glover tap dancing right there. <laughs> <laughs> They're related, I'm telling you. So, this is my one of my or my favorite part of the song is the part in the song where it's going, and you can hear yeah, you can hear bubbles and the telephone ringing at the same time. That's the best part of the song. I think those are underwater space bubbles. <laughs> Listen to this horror movie at the end of Close Encounters. Phone still ringing. I don't want to just sit and listen to this. This okay. is British Ghosts. I have Any a fun other fun fact. facts? Okay, I have a fun, fun fact. fact. This track is a collaboration between The Orb and the British techno duo Slam, who are known in electronica circles for their early single Positive Education and their debut album Head States. I know a few things about electronica. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I also have a question. Because we're hmm? talking about The Orb, did everyone see the photo of Trump on his Middle Eastern trip touching the glowing orb with the, the two other leaders? Why does everything have to be about politics, Steve? This is a, a arbitrary genre music podcast. Yeah, we're talking about, about the politics, orb. It's about the orb. If you yeah. Google Trump orb, there's, it's, there's bet if you many go- articles. I'll bet if you Google orb, it's the first image that pops first up. First off, stop Googling orb. It's the orb. The doesn't work in Google. Can I say this right off the top? This yes. Is, this isn't Freaky Firestarter by the band with the angry clown in it. ICP? No, don't, don't worry about Slipknot? it. I don't know. None of those. None of those. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Prodigy. Freaky Firestarter. I, they, I think you came up with the genre there. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I might have a few more. Uh, okay. Hey, well, this fucking song is called Lost in Space, and it's by the band Apollo 440. And it's a theme to the small screen to big screen adaptation of Baby Boomer Nostalgia, Lost in Space from uh, from oh, the movie and the song 1998. Uh, it's one of those movies that came out between 96 and 2000 that you just assumed was made by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Danger, Will Robinson. They're making a techno out of your theme song. Bleep, bloop. Lost good. in Space, people. Uh, I realize I wrote some stuff here, and I think I wrote it about the wrong song. Did, oh, wait. Yeah, I thought I heard some of the Jetsons theme in here from the original, but Jetsons came out five years before this did. Also, this was the second theme song to Lost in Space, the TV show. The first one was written by John Williams, uh, who back then went by his hip name, Johnny Williams. Mm. Uh, That was about 40 years before he slammed a door in my face when I was working a neighborhood for a film shoot because he wanted us to, and I quote, go film someplace else. Mm. End quote. Not in my backyard. Should have brought a cello along, got a conversation started with him. Yeah, maybe. Well, I had my cello, but it's just awkward to carry when I'm knocking on doors. (laughs) So Apollo 440 is uh, named after Apollo and the number 440. (laughs) Uh, Some say one's a god and the other is uh, the frequency of a concert pitch A note. Yep. Uh, I just like to think that they love space travel a whole lot. Like on a scale of one to ten, or excuse me, one to one hundred, <laughs> these guys are Apollo 440. Uh, anyways, uh, Apollo 440 was formed by the brothers Gray, Howard, and Trevor in Liverpool with their bros, not their brothers, their bros James Gardner, Gardner from and Tank and Noko from 
Yeah, Noko? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Noko's a nutter, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> and out of those, Howard and Noko, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these correctly, uh, would stay constant in the band. Uh, they're our first appearance of a big beat artist, which was the crossover electronica sound that MTV chose to replace alternative rock with, um, but it didn't stick, and MTV music television turned to Britney Spears' boy bands and TRL. Instead. Yeah, there was, there was a big push in the music press, too, to like make electronica happen over here in the U.S., and it didn't take, but uh, a later generation figured out what 90s British kids already knew, which is that raves are great places to take drugs, hence the current EDM scene sweeping America. Uh, yeah. 20 years after the, after uh, England already got over it, sort of. Yeah, and these guys did a bunch of soundtracks, one of which was another Happy Walters mishmash, like Judgment Night with uh, Spawn. They were paired with Morphine. Uh, maybe we can get to that one and the Blade 2 soundtrack. Sometime. Ooh, I know they were on the Charlie Angels soundtrack. Ooh. But these songs all seem like a decent way to get you through the credits when you know no one's going to watch them, but you just can't roll them over silence. And, you know, sometimes if you sit through all of them, maybe it'll be like an hilarious blooper reel, like in Kingpin or Schindler's List. <laughs> did I say an hilarious blooper reel? I did. That's proper That's very uh, elegant. Proper yeah. grammar. Super elegant. Yeah. Just like the blooper reel at the end of Schindler's List. One yeah. of the most elegant blooper reels I've ever it seen really in the is. history of cinema film. Yeah. When that squib doesn't go off and they're all just standing there looking at each other. <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> Spielberg comes out and goes... Yeah. 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 Yeah, he would not stop farting. That's the story they don't tell you about Schindler's List. He farted the whole way through. All right, you guys are reminding me. I'm burying the lead here. Uh, this movie was shit. Uh, but as far as Moonshots 2000 goes, uh, being lost in the eternal vacuum of space sounds pretty great, right? Mm-hmm. Right, guys? Right, yeah. yeah uh, but imagine how terrifying it would be with the star of the hit NBC TV show, Joey, as your captain. Yeah, that's right. Matt LaJoey uh, gets to poorly state his action lines over this rocked-out John Williams Penn theme, theme song. Again, a reminder, space is violent, and I don't want to go there. I like it when he says rock and roll and showtime. <laughs> Classic Joey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, danger, Will Robinson. J.D. Riznar is getting Land of the Lost and Lost in Space movies mixed up in his head. I was thinking the whole time it was a Will... A Will Ferrell dinosaur movie. No, but Will Will That's Robinson. That's why you're doing the robot Will Robinson was lost. In I space. know, I know, but in my head, I was seeing Will Ferrell running from dinosaurs. Oh, danger, yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah, there's di- dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I have a fun fact about this. This is, I believe, this is our first hit of the countdown. This is the number four hit in the UK. Is that fun? Yeah, I had fun. All four. Right. Okay. It's a good number. Uh, speaking of fun, yeah, yeah, this should be a quick one. This is Moby uh, with the song, the fun, fun little ditty, uh, "Dead Sun," uh, spelled Steve D E A D. And what's what's the next part? <laughs> what's the next part? S U N. S U N. From his rock album "Animal Rights," uh, this kicked things off, and as a thesis. It's not really laying down what's to what's to come, uh, except it's a little depressing, which uh, you know, hey, makes it feel timely, like it's 1996 again. Uh, to me, this is the soundtrack to intelligent life being extinguished from the galaxy, 
Not sure, maybe uh, by this time we made it to Mars or Venus or the moons of Saturn. We probably never managed to leave Earth. Either way, this song is from the perspective of the universe mourning the loss of one of its most promising, ch promising children. Already in this song, I'm wishing this song was called Dead S-O-N and it was written by Moby Sr. <laughs> Ouch. Ooh. Uh, when a song I didn't realize before when you prompted me for spelling that it was going to be setting up a bit. Does it matter? Yeah. It, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. God. Julian's now taught us to laugh at jokes. Yeah. It all works now. Uh, Honestly, I thought that was really funny. My laugh was legitimate. I wasn't faking. That's so great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, you, what's, you know what's better than laughing at your own jokes? Is explaining why you laughed at them afterwards. Yeah. Because Julian told us to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, remember when I said I'd point out when songs are getting repetitive? No. No. Well, I did. And this is one of those times. Oh. Well, remind me later. And the loop point starts here. Uh, so, when a sun dies, or to be more uh, accurate, a star dies, it turns into a red giant, not unlike Carrot Top during a roid cycle. Uh, it, <laughs> it will contract and expand and consume everything in its path. This is due to, and also make hilarious uh, props. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is due to consuming all. Of this. It's a phone book inside a cookbook, so when you open it, you can call for takeout. Exactly. So when you open it, it melts. All my props do. I'm a giant sun. Yeah. <laughs> this is due to consuming all of its hydrogen, and being just a giant ball of he helium. Uh, it will eventually sh shed this and become a white, d white dwarf. Uh, I'm not sure if that's politically correct. I apologize. Either way, it's the remnant of its core and will begin to cool to a theorized black dwarf in one quadrillion years. And that's not a joke number. That's a real number. If you have a TV set on top of your old TV set, you might either be making a joke about a, a redneck snowman or you might be carrot top or Jeff. Wait, I messed that up. No, wait. stretch it out. Okay, wait. Here's what the joke Keep was going. supposed it's to be. Keep going. It's gonna get there. Here's you what the joke was supposed to be. You get there. If you have a joke about a TV on top of a bigger unworking TV and you call it a, a redneck snowman, you might be Jeff Foxworthy or Carrot Top. <laughs> Either way, right or wrong. Yeah, I'll tell you, that really changed a lot with the second delivery. Yeah. This is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, fans of Beyond Yacht Rock, when we don't write things out ahead of time, yeah. and I just go for it. Go off script. <laughs> that, that's what happens? That's what happens. Yeah, and what it's called is comedy gold. <laughs> Wait. Oh, hold on, oh, the song's ending? Okay. Let's well, see. yeah, I mean, you had to try it two times on that. I know. Oh, well, uh, Steve, I, I have a question. To, yeah, uh, Hunter, you're you're you you. I have eat an answer. Very, you eat very healthy. You're a vegetarian. Uh, no, I'm a vegetarian. Okay, but you you, you take really big healthy shits. Uh, have you ever Sometimes. eaten at Little Pine, which is Moby's vegan restaurant I have. in Silver Lake? Yes, I have. I need to go there again. Not really my scene. <laughs> Does he come out like Rocky and Rocky Balboa? Yo, was at this rave. In Liverpool once. I, I get oh, it. the drugs were everywhere. I was DJing. Oh, no, I think it's boom, boom. I think story. it's more. I think it's more uh, like. Hey, would you like to try these lentils? 
Uh, yeah, Moby wasn't there. Okay. Um, okay. I need to go back and try some more fare. Uh, you see, I looked at the menu, and they have a vegan version of cassoulet, which I... Dave, I've known you to be a man who makes your own cassoulet. I do indeed. And it's a dish that's heavily centered around duck, duck fat, and sausage, and in addition skin. to white beans. Pig skin. So, what I what I want to know is, <laughs> would you ever eat vegan cassoulet? Shit, yeah, man. I'd eat, okay. a, I'd eat a turd if it was cooked right. Alright! I don't dislike... We got a challenge! Hold on, guys. <laughs> Don't, don't let's not pass this over. We've got the turd challenge. Okay, next week we all cook a turd, and we see. We gotta cook it right, though. We gotta cook it and see. Well, see if any of us do cook it right. Yeah. We're gonna have a taste test. Yep. Send your turd recipes via Twitter at yacht rock hashtag. Uh, well-cooked turds. And send your turds to the Doughboys. Feral <laughs> audio. No, 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 no. Turds come to us. With Doughboys get enough food. Nah, it'd be funny if they started getting boxes of shit. Well, yeah, 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 you're right. Send turds to everybody. Uh, No, I'm not against vegetarian fare. I'm just against vegetarians that tell me I shouldn't eat meat, which, Hunter, you have never done, and I thank you for that. You've never been that kind of vegetarian. I've told you you should drink less Coca-Cola. Yes, or Coke Zero, or... Yeah, it's not good for Diet Coke. It gives you you Coke dick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's a callback, everybody. All right. Thanks, Julian. Uh, so on Moby, he's just your typical musician from Harlem, as he's related to Herman Melville. Supposedly, though probably in the same way every white liberal uh, has some na- Native American ancestry. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm uh, like 0.1% Cherokee. We know, we know. Steve. We I, just know. Wanted to, I just wanted to remind everybody. You bring that up more than people who do CrossFitness. Crossfitness. Crossfit. That's what it's Listen, that's he doesn't it's short hate for. crossfitness. He just hates the people who come up to him and tell him he needs to do more crossfitness. Um, anyways, uh, Moby really hit a stride in 1990s. Good to have you back, you dick. With 1999's play, uh, sticking with his superior electronic tomfoolery. But on this, he was playing uh, an alt rocker. Uh, uh, that brings me, I would, like to read, I would like to read a couple excerpts. Uh, this is. Uh, this is from Stephen Thomas Erlewine's review of this uh, this album, Animal Rights, on the on AllMusic.com. Yeah, read the whole thing. No, I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna skip to a few highlights here. Can't find any highlights. Huh? He's uh, he's trying to refashion <laughs> himself as an alternative rocker. His thin pseudo-industrial guitar riffs dominate the proceedings. Uh, and although he can be committed for having the courage to diversify, he simply isn't very good at alternative rock. His voice is thin and undistinguished, his rhythms are too tight, his <laughs> guitars sound anemic, and he can't write a hook. And he finishes calling it one of the classic failed albums. Well, this is this is the album, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, that's when I reached for my revolver, the cover of Mission, yeah. Mission uh, of Burma's. Do you remember when that came out in the 90s? I remember when the new Rambo movie came out, okay. set in Burma. Anyways, I, I remember that like years ago I remembered oh man the that, wasn't there a 90s version of that song and I went back and I was like holy shit it was Moby who did that yeah that's when uh, I reached for my revolver anyways that's the that's the reaction when you listen to this album um listen Moby is of the sea and it shows because the song doesn't make me want to go to space again uh, I'd rather hunt a whale because that song hobo humping slobo babe makes no fucking sense that is a good whale joke <laughs> it is a good whale joke. <laughs> All right. Was there a Pegboy song? No, they had an Just, album called Revolver. Never mind. Stop looking at me. You're asking us if there was a Pegboy song by a certain name? We've all been to Chicago. We're on our third pass on this song, so why not just keep things going? I'd like to approach my take on this song, uh, much like Moby approached the song itself. Words. 
that's how you approach that carrot top joke. <laughs> and somehow that felt longer. Can I say right off the top? Yes. Pluto isn't a planet. They, did, they made it a dwarf planet now. So why it's different. You, why would you bring up Pluto? Well, because uh, this it's, is it's Bjork. not a planet. That's why. <laughs> oh, he just has to get that out there. Uh, this is Bjork with. The why song. would somebody mention Lemmy at the beginning of a song? Whether it, well, we because, don't even know what it is yet. Because unlike Pluto, Lemmy fucking is a cool dude, and I think at the time he was still a no. He was dead by then. I don't know. That's a good question. I've explained why I did that, because I wanted people to listen to that dumb hippie song knowing that Lemmy was on bass during Well, I wanted people to think about Pluto before they heard this song. Continue. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I fully support you, J.D. I can't, I can't shake it. I can't rattle this guy. Uh, <laughs> this is Bjork with the song Pluto, and which brings us back to J.D.'s very good piece of information that he gave us right at the top. I have to say, after listening to this from 1997's uh, Homogenic... Right? Homogenic? Uh, homogenic. Homogenic? Anybody? Can, any, can anybody give me a proper any pronunciation? Any of those work. Okay. Uh, I bet there's some Australian guy that says homogenic. Ho homogenic. Okay. There it is. <laughs> Guinness? Uh, a lot of a lot of the praise given to Radiohead should probably be shifted to Bjork. Uh, she's a genius alien from Iceland, and I feel like she's given her due, but she deserves more. This is from 1997, and this is very much... What kid A yeah. would, would and this which was three I, years away. I feel Bjork deserves more credit than Radiohead. I think she's a better artist. Bj uh, Bjork is an anagram for orb. JK. There's that orb again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's not the I just I don't that's not to put down Radiohead. I think they deserve a lot of credit. I gave them a lot of credit. Yeah. But I personally don't give Bjork enough credit and it wasn't until going back and re-listening to this that I realized the time difference of sort of things that were happening in music. And, and you know what, so I, I remember in 1993, late night MTV, probably 120 minutes, uh, the, the VJs were pumped that the lead singer of uh, to the Sugar Cubes had a new, sweet new song called Human Behavior, which is a perfectly written song by someone clearly from the cosmos observing humanoids. Uh, I loved that song and video, everything, and I was 13. That was awesome. Do you guys remember when that came out? Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that video with, like, the big teddy bears. Yes. The cre big creepy teddy bears running yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that that was uh, the four years in between that song and this seems like an eternity. Uh, I guess I, after re-listening to this, I'm finally starting to see why MTV declared in the, in the mid-90s period that electronic music was the future and they were going to have a format shift. Because seriously, when Americans rejected that notion again, what'd we get? New metal, bed ringers, and LFO. Yes, that LFO. Uh, I would say this is far superior artistically. And John Kasich was superior artistically to Donald Trump. And what good did that get us? Yeah, this man plays a mean harmonica. Yeah, artistically is way better. Hunter, mm -hmm. you brought up LFO. I'd like to bring up the other LFO. That's right. Uh, this song was co-written by Bjork's co-producer on the album Homogenique. <laughs> uh, it's uh, British techno musician Mark Bell, who was also a member of Other LFO, uh, a duo uh, that was a key part of the British IDM or intelligent dance music scene in the 90s. Uh, I, did, I looked up a little bit on Mark Bell, and according to Wikipedia, he died on 8th October 2014. That's the date format they use over there. 
Uh, age 43 from complications following medical surgery. <laughs> Luckily, whoever wrote that sentence made clear that the surgery was, in fact, medical in nature. <laughs> I feel at 43, you have to clarify. I just, I just had surgery. medical surgery at age 42, and I survived it, so thank, thank the... Yeah, you got, thank, you got thank, one more year. Thank the cosmos. If I have anything to say about it. Uh, if this is intelligent dance music, the vomit I puked a couple months ago was intelligent soup. JK, everyone. Orb JK. I'm cool enough to like this song. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You got your hat on backwards. It's, yeah. it's a headphone and microphone thing. Is it? Because mine's Cause forward, not forward fine. Well, sometimes I, but look, cool. I look down a lot. No, it's because you're cool. I, I, my my The brim of my hat, it has hit my microphone many times before. And I'm trying to prevent that, Dave. And you want to keep that sun off the back of your neck. I get it. <laughs> You're a fucking bro. Okay, so... You dirty bro. So, so uh, back to Pluto. It's said that this song, Pluto, is uh, sort of uh, Bjork's personal Ragnarok. Uh, and I don't have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Wait, wait till the movie comes out and I'll find out, because that's coming out. Oh, In yes. a world uh, called Ragnarok. Uh, so Ragnarok... Thor is on the loose with his magic hammer once again. And this time... Hulk is with him. Whoa, 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 what? It's me, Hulk. You know why that is? Thor three. You know why that Ragnarok. is? Ragnarok coming soon. They can't do another solo Hulk movie uh -huh. because Universal owns the rights, like the distribution rights to to oh. solo Hulk movies. Oh. And they've like failed enough that now yeah. they're just going to continue to just work a Hulk movie into another character's movie. Love Anyways, that that's another thing. Um. So anyways, uh, the Ragnarok is, be is the time where the Norse gods die and life renews. Uh, so Pluto, of course, is the Roman name for the Greek god Hades, uh, the god of the underworld and the dead. Pluto, the planet, is naturally associated with death, and Bjork is clearly letting us know this. Obviously. All that being said, thanks for the dwarf planet education, but I'd rather not go there and instead same, stay home and fix something around the house. Do you mean like uh, fix a meal or is something broken? Doesn't matter. House? I just don't want to go into space. Okay. Well, if you need to borrow any tools, I have a bunch of tools. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I've known uh, I've known a few people who've gone to Iceland uh, lately in the last, in the last uh, couple years or so. Uh, my sister's going to go to Iceland uh, a few months from now. It's apparently becoming a very popular tourist destination because of its natural beauty and its reputation as a safe place for women traveling alone. Not for long. Hello, Priceline.com. Get me a good price on a hotel in Reykjavik. <laughs> I was supposed to go there for a movie, and it didn't work out, and I've still never been. So, J.D., do you need any company for your Icelandic assault? The more the merrier. There's All a right. lot of women feeling way too safe in that country. High five. Break them on, break them on. Bros. <laughs> I turned my hat backward in solidarity. <laughs> if there's anything bros need, it's solidarity with other human beings. Those poor white males with no one to support them. What about their rights? Ah, oh, Jesus. I saw Pulp Fiction the last day it was airing in Muskegon, Michigan. It only played for one week in October before the Oscar buzz started, and then after the Oscar buzz it played again. But I was 17 at the time, nowhere else to see it, save the hour drive to Grand Rapids, which my parents would not let me do at 17. All I could do was get the soundtrack, and no soundtrack has ever brought the feeling of a movie back to me more than the soundtrack to good old Pulp Fiction. And I wasn't the only one trying to recapture that feeling. The soundtrack went it went platinum. Man. A million copies. This, oh, yeah. This, 
This was a soundtrack at like every every party I ever went to at Michigan State. Yeah, and every, the poster was in every dorm. Yeah. Uh, this soundtrack was an incredible touchstone in the history of film. The soundtrack is perfect both with and without its visual accompaniments. The sort of soundtrack you'd listen to like Repo Man or Train Spotting. It kind of transcends the necessity of the film it was made to complement. Mm-hmm. And I took that quote directly out of a paper I wrote in college about uh, the Train Spotting soundtrack. Oh, very good. Did oh. you get an A? Uh, we had a point system, but yeah. Oh, you got all the points. Yeah. How much other s- how, uh, writing do you have saved from your college days? You've got, got your Marina Rock script. You've got this paper on Pulp Fiction. I've got a great train spotting. I've got a great paper called Bedtime for Ecology, talking about why a vegetarian lifestyle is better for the environment. And I've got a paper that I wrote about Black Belt Jones hey. as a classic film. <laughs> Stop being a pushy vegetarian. So this that, is kind of that like was you. the assignment. I was supposed to take a point. I didn't uh, already. Uh, oh, this podcast yeah. is kind of your doctorate. <laughs> um, oh, I weep for the future. <laughs> so not only did I love the hot songs I'd never heard before, like Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang. Yeah, I'd never heard that one before. That's insane to me. Uh, but songs I was already familiar with, like this one, Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield. It took on new meaning for me. See, I worked in an oldie station in high school, so I was very familiar with this song. But after seeing it in Pulp Fiction, it became one of the best songs in the whole wide world to me. It was originally released in 1969 on the Dusty Springfield album Dusty in Memphis, Tennessee, I assume. Uh, it was a song performed by many artists, but Dusty was the first and best. Uh, it was a number 10 hit in the U.S. because Americans never know when they have something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, instead they'll push Kid Rock to the top of the charts. That's right. Or vote for Trump. <laughs> Kid Rock was the number one song when this came out. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Yeah. This song was from that scene where Vincent Vega walks into Mia Wallace's house and the whole thing is so weird and cool and the two actors are weird and cool and the song became weird and cool and I finally understood how unusual and special this song was after it was used in a scene of a near-perfect movie nearly perfectly. Tarantino said that if he couldn't get the rights to this song, he would have cut the scene I'll tell you what. out of the movie. Yeah, I'll tell you one song he couldn't get the rights to was My Sharona by The Knack. He wanted to use it in the Ving Rhames uh, rape scene. Claimed it had a good sodomy beat. <laughs> when the Knack decided against forever being associated with anal rape, Tarantino decided that Comanche by the Rebels was a better fit. And I think he was right. Unfortunately, Ving Rhames' character was not a good fit for the fella he was raping. Oh, you like his butt Wait, too I'm big? sorry, the, uh, I'm the other way around. Raped by. Sorry. My guy. No, I think Dave had it right. <laughs> Uh, so I've seen every Quentin Tarantino movie in the theater. It's, it's too big. <laughs> it's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. It's not a good fit. It's like a ripped out fireplace. <laughs> Son of the preacher man. Woo. Um, I've seen every Tarantino movie in the theater except for Hateful Eight because when Quentin showed up in the third act of the third act part two of Django Unchained. He officially overstayed his welcome in the house of my mind. Yeah, this is a terrible third act. Uh, I ruined the movie. I will say that I watched the Hateful Eight, uh, the the uh, the Roadshow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was awesome. 
You missed it. What's a road show? Uh, he he curated uh, uh, music at the beginning, so oh. there was an overture. Oh. And then in the in the middle, there was a intermission with more music, so you could get up and go to the bathroom, like you know, old school movies, or they mm-hmm. do that. And it was uh, yeah, it broke up the movie. It, 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 it was perfect. I'll tell you, my big problem with that movie: sunglasses didn't exist back then in the way they were being used. The only people that wore sunglasses. Uh, were people that were prescribed them because of syphilis. And that's a true story. You can look it up. Kurt Russell didn't exist back then either. Oh, good one. But not really. We're in plug hole. Just one quick thing. Good joke, but it wasn't. Oh, wait. He, we're, we're, not ta- we're, we're talking about Django. He wasn't in that movie. No, we were talking about... Were we talking about... Hateful Eight? Oh, yeah. I was talking about Django and Shane. See, we're talking about different movies, so that's why it didn't make sense. Ugh. Uh, we just got one quick thing in plug hole. Bumpers today sent in by Two Muffin Rabbit at Two Muffin Rabbit T W O. He writes, "Hey boys, Two Muffin Rabbit from Cleveland here. This round of bumpers is pure T M R. That means Two Muffin Rabbit. Ah, it's my my voice through a guitar distortion pedal with a fuck ton of delay and pitched up a few octaves. Fucking metal." Jason K. from Filament 38 was my audio engineer and, and the tech know-how guru name dropper. Two Muffin Rabbit is a name dropper. Wants everyone to know that he knows Jason K. from Filament 38. He's a muffin dropper, too. He's got, he's got, and the way, he's got two of them. That's why he has two. Yeah. But you got to get a second one just in case. And the way, uh, the way you're doing his voice, J.D., I assume he is not a big city lawyer. <laughs> no. We'll get uh, we'll do some nicknames next time when I uh, when I'm not writing an episode. Do we have anything anyone new though? Because last time we didn't have anyone new. Yeah, we, we. I think there's a couple people. Okay. But I gotta check when I have a little more time. Yeah. So I apologize. and get to it. Hey, how yeah. about uh, maybe thanks for Patreon. How about two muffin dropper rabbit? That's his nickname. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, maybe we'll have a fun story about a uh, sushi experience I had for our Patreon users. No. Oh, wouldn't that be a delight? No. You're right. JD, do you have something Yeah, can I say this right off the top? This is the Freaky Firestarter Angry Clown Band. It is. It is. This is it. Yeah. This is the brand is called Prodigy. Yeah. You want to say the name of the song? Out of Space. Out of Space. Uh, Yes, Moonshots 2000. uh, Do you think this song is really about space, or do you think it's about a fellow with an apartment that's a little too small for all the dance club clothes he's buying? He's run out of space. You get it? Yeah, I am song. out of space now. Freaky Firestarter. I think Need a bigger flat now. I think the song sounds like a bunch of white dwarves secretly building toys in a caper to save Christmas. While Santa's either being held captive or possibly brainwashed in Jamaica. That part's coming up. Mm-hmm. Or maybe JD's computer is just on 45 instead of 33. Freaky Firestarter, man. So Moonshots 2000, uh, it's really its main home is in the sound of the big beat. Uh, and it's why it's really why I did this genre. I wanted to talk about the big beat. Also, uh, so JD can interrupt me a bunch and perhaps find some peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, no peace is not coming. <laughs> also, I wanted to listen to that Prism song. Um, I, you know, I mentioned Big Beat and the Apollo 440, uh, but I'll get into it now with the song by the Prodigy. You said the name of it, Out of Space, off their debut album, Experience, from 1992. 
Uh, big beat is an electronic sound that utilizes breakbeats, uh, which builds percussive anticipation, then breaks or cools down till building again. It uh, leads to what I believe the kids call the drop. Ooh. Uh, it also heavily relies on synth loops, sometimes being pop music uh, from the 60s or 70s or old school hip hop. And the vocals are often aggressive and punk like. There's also signatures like using spoken word and dialogue, analog sound effects, air horns, and gunshots, and wacky stuff. Uh, I don't. It's probably other shit. Uh, just listen to the, pr- the, the Prodigy. Uh, also, this term is just refers to the period of popular electronica from the Moonshot 2000 era. It's a, it's a big beat. Big beat. Big beat. Oh, yeah, it's like the crossover stuff. It's like more... It's, it's a more extroverted form of electronica as opposed to like the ambient stuff or the intelligent dance music or... Uh, it, it, it's more... It's, uh, it's structured a little more accessibly for rock and pop listeners. Like, they're, it's sort of in a song structure in a way. Not quite the same thing, but... Like it's it's not like a long ten minute piece. It's like a four minute single, basically. Uh-huh. And this was also a hit single. This was a top five hit in the UK. Yeah. The term big beat uh, comes from the English electronic duo Big Bang, who used the term to describe their style in 1989, and then a few years later it became popular. Did Big, big Bang ever become popular? Uh, in, in the UK, I believe so. Uh, what number, Steve? What number did they get in the UK? I don't know. I didn't look them up. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were smart. <laughs> I guess not. Hunter, more oh, fun facts. Here's yeah. The, here's the Jamaican part. Yeah, here we have uh, oh, a, lot yeah, of, the, a lot of springs. The Prodigy. Uh, the, it's got a bounce. They're one of Big Beat's biggest acts, especially <laughs> in 1997. Uh, with 1997's The Fat of the Land. Uh, they, they, like, they, like most Big Beaters, were from the UK. Them being from Braintree, Essex. The brain tree behind the prodigy is Liam Howlett. I believe that's it. Uh, but I think most people associate uh, pro- the prodigy with lead singer Keith Flint with his green reverse mohawk. Um, he started as the prodigy's dancer. Wait, so the angry clown is Keith and he was just the helper outer guy? Yeah. He wasn't the smart guy in the band? Well,. Not at this point, but by the fire starter point, he was the lead singer. Oh, okay. That's, that's insane. That's like if Andy Carr started singing for the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh. No? No, I'm sorry. Get out of here. song's got a real bounce. Yeah, it does. <laughs> this boing. Is, boing. This is the part that sounds like your computer's on the wrong speed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this vocal sample right here is uh, it's uh, underground rap legend Cool Keith. Uh, it's a line from back when he was the, the, a member of the Ultramagnetic MCs. Uh, it's the title track of their cult classic debut album, Critical Beatdown. And that reggae one, it's uh, the guy singing about outer space. It's uh, from the Max Romeo reggae song, Chase the Devil, uh, which was produced by reggae's most legendary space cadet Lee Scratch Perry. And then the sam- that sample's a moonshot, but it's dumped and it's reggae. Also, moonshots are kind of dumb, except for the prism song up top in uh, and space trucking by Deep trucking, Purple. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Romeo's uh, song was about expelling Satan from Earth to go find someone else to pick on, uh, but this song seems to be about running out of space and shipping people off into outer space. Uh, my guess to their doom, since the goofy, lighthearted tone and sound effects like that, boing. Uh, seemed like a con job similar to Trump University. I got into a university in outer space. Boing, boing, this place sucks. Yeah. Hey, come to Prodigy's Moon University. 
come to the Prodigies Moon University. We'll take your brain into another dimension. Uh, we totally won't take your money and open the cargo hatch after leaving, leaving Earth's orbit. Yeah, that's... Boy, wow! That's your money. Your money runs off a cliff and then looks down and then falls into the void of space. Is that all the fun facts for this one? Yep. Fun facts. JD, slow fade. Oh. You want to say something at the top? Hey, I just want to say right off the top, I love you guys. I love doing this podcast. It's, yeah. it's uh, really a pleasure to be here with you guys in this room. It's pretty super. All yeah. right. Tight. All right. Fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> just skip this one. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> oh, come on, Hunter. That was enough. I can't take it anymore. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, here's another debut album. Uh, the, this is uh, Kelly Watch the Stars by Air from uh, Moon Safari, an album, uh, an album Moonshots 2000 couldn't ignore. Uh, I don't know this, but I didn't know this. Excuse me, but it's considered down tempo, which was described in Wikipedia as sometimes called trip hop, but it's actually similar to uh, ambient, except having greater emphasis on rhythm, and it's not as earthy as trip hop. See? Uh, it seems like they really missed the rocket ship and just uh, by calling it Moonshots 2000. Yeah, well, it's not how quite as song-oriented as trip-hop usually is either. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, should have been called Moonshots 2000. Should have been Moonshots 2000? Uh, how could they? How come they couldn't anticipate this podcast and the fact that 70s space music would be called Moonshots and see their similarities? It's beyond me. Yeah. They couldn't, that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Remember when I said I'd point out the repetitiveness? No. Well, I did, and this, oh. is, and this is it. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. I should say it more often, so I won't forget. Right. You should be more repetitive about it. You see, Steve, this is why you really need to read ahead. Uh, so, Air is or are French, so technically not a rock band. Uh, the, mem- the members are uh, Jean Benoit Dunkel and, <laughs> and Nicolas Godin. 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 Uh, Moon Safari is, de- is definitely their biggest and most uh, well-received album. And this song is, al- uh, along with Sexy Boy, one of their most accessible pop songs on the album. Yeah, this was a this was a number eighteen hit in the UK, and the album went top ten. It's generally regarded as a uh, an all time electronica classic. Wow, man, they were they were super chill over there. They ate up these moonshot two thousands like hungry uh, hungry Ippo. Is that an English joke about Frenchmen? No, it's a number 18 in the UK. It's an English oh, accent. Oh, got it. Hungry, hungry, hippo. Yeah, Steve thought, didn't oh. look up what it was. What its ranking was in France. Got it. Hey, the no, I didn't. I, 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 I didn't know where to find the French chart information. <laughs> I'm not going to do this joke. Okay, go. Okay. Fun facts. Uh, um, well, Air definitely has a space rock bent, and uh, on first listen, you might think that this song is up- uplifting or optimistic. Looking at the stars has historically been motivation for innovation, a metaphor of hope and possibility. But after multiple listens, you realize this is an emotionless French robot overlord giving orders to Kelly, and it begins to take a, a tone similar to Luke Skywalker watching his friends perish with the Emperor. 
Kelly, watch the stars. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid the Deflector Shield will be quite operational when you're friends. Wait, he had to have a Cockney accent. What am I doing? It's the first time I've ever heard you commit to yeah, a voice. To a voice. That was I adorable. know. That was adorable. I know. Yeah. I was thinking, man, maybe I'll do I it. Wish, maybe I, I wish won't. you would have kept going. I wish you hadn't bailed halfway okay, through. I'll, uh, Oi, give in to your hate. <laughs> give in to your anger. Join me and together we shall rule the galaxy. We will, we will. Yeah, yeah exactly. Chilling. It's just simply chilling. Oh, and also on this song you can hear a battle being fought with lasers and farts. It's a funny lie that you came up with about this song, but the truth is that this, the Kelly mention of this song is our listener Kelly Dwyer, who was a journalist who writes about basketball. And this is what his bosses tell him every time he tries to do a piece on, about the sixth man. Is Forget about the bench, guys, Kelly. Watch the stars. See, the drumbeat represents a dribbling basketball, and the space noises are crowds cheering for Carl Malone, a bona fide basketball star. Uh, Do you know Kelly got laid off by Yahoo? It was a bad thing. He posted about it on Twitter like a week ago. I know that, but he's going to find another job very quickly. Yeah, it was a terrible move on Yahoo's part, got to say. Yeah. Yeah, if I had stock in Yahoo... I would have sold it stock in Yahoo. I don't think Yahoo has money anymore. No. Right. They laid off all their fantasy football writers, and that's like the only reason anybody uses Yahoo is fantasy There's football. There's fantasy football writers? They like write about people that play fantasy football? No, they write about stats They write about the stuff. players you're supposed to get. Oh, fantasy football. I get it. This guy's going to get like... a lot of running yards because the defense on this team's not very good with the runnings. Hey, this team called the Dimpled Balls is doing really well. I thought it was like writing about different fantasy football leagues. Okay. And did, if you say, I, did you say dimpled balls? <laughs> That's what I would call my fantasy football team. Because <laughs> he's really into golf. Yeah. All right, can I say something no! at the top? When he says okay. the brother's going to work it out. That, that's this is the Chemical Brothers. That's Gene Chemical talking about Harold Chemical, who's also a mathematician and loves working out problems. JD, that is not true. It's about Harold, who has a knot in his neck, being assured by Gene, an amateur masseuse, <laughs> that he is indeed going to work it out. Uh, Look up your facts. Okay, sorry. You guys good? Not really, but because both those bits suck. <laughs> Continue with your that's, fun fact. That's cool because we're going to bring them back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think about that timing, fellas. Yep. Okay, here we go. Uh, back to the big beat. Uh, this. Uh, the best part of that timing was you just letting it lay there and staring at us before reading your next bit. Well, I don't have a bit. I'm just going to tell people about this song. You've got fun facts. Yeah. There's a. Wait, wait, oh yeah, at the, at the beginning of the song there was a goddamn danger horn. Did you hear that while you guys were talking? That started that song. Uh, this is the Chemical Brothers with Leave Home from another uh, debut album. This is Exit Planet Dust from 1995. Do you guys notice how these bands stand on the shoulders of Moonshots 2000 to find a voice? All their debut albums they, they, they put in these uh, Moonshot 2000s. Um, anyways... I assume Exit Planet, Dust, and Leave Home are both referring to space travel. I don't really think that's a stretch. You remember when I said that I'd point out the repetitiveness? It sounds familiar. Here it is. There, there it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you took my advice, Dave. <laughs> so I wasn't. I wasn't huge. Was really, anybody, really helping the bit. I wasn't a huge Chemical Brothers fan. Whereas anybody a huge, uh, big Chemical Brothers fan? 
No. no okay. I liked them all right. Yeah, I liked them all right I got too. A few of their albums. Yeah. Oh. I like Henry's Math. Was that his name? Harold. I like Harold's Math. And I like Gene's Massages. <laughs> I bet you like Gene's massages. Yeah, I'd like a little Gene massage, if you know what I mean. You cut. That's good. I like it. Yeah. It's a good job, guys. Yeah. Hey, the brothers are working it out in, in, the, in the studio. Uh, anyways, I, I always appreciated the Chemical Brothers, uh, their, their psychedelic uh, pastiche. Probably because I was on drugs at the time. Uh, they being Ed Simmons and Tom Rollins. Nope. Uh, Continue. Started Continue out as DJs known as the Dust Brothers as an homage to the U.S. producing duo, uh, the Dust Brothers, famous for dropping a sampling warhead on the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique. Um, by the time the U.K. Chemical Brothers uh, got big enough to make it to the U.S., the original, or excuse me, the original, by the time the U.K. Dust Brothers got big enough to make it to the U.S., the original Dust Brothers would totally sue their asses, so they changed their name to the Chemical Brothers, hence the title of this album, Exit Planet Dust. Exit Planet Dust. And they'd go on to be probably the most famous and popular big beat artists with songs like Block Rocket Beats and Setting Sun Off of uh, Dig Your Own Hole. Remember when I said I'd point out the repetitiveness? Yes, I do. Here it is. There it is. Steve? Oh, it's finally taking shape as a bit. <laughs> this is why if you look at the thing before we read them, you would You wrote this that. five minutes ago! Steve was done yesterday! I have a job, JD. On Sunday? <laughs> yeah, I was at the office. Yeah, I have to work today, too. Um, Hunter, fun facts? I have fun facts about these samples. Uh, there's an early Kraftwerk song in here somewhere. Uh, the, the vocal Brothers Gonna Work It Out thing is from Detroit techno pioneer Blake Baxter's song, Brothers Gonna Work It Out, which was also the name of a completely unrelated Public Enemy song. Also, here's a fun punk fact for you, Dave. The bass on this song is played by John Seggs Jennings of the British punk reggae band The Ruts. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. Fun facts? Yeah, fun facts. Uh, okay, the, uh, <laughs> they say these Chemical Brothers are going to work it out, uh, but what exactly are they going to work out? I know you, you a uh, couple of jokesters here, uh, laid a joke turd on the beginning of this, but I'm, I'm going to have a different theory. Uh, are they, perhaps are they, they're on drugs? Do they do re disaster relief after a chemical spill? Like Dave and I gave the answer. We gave the answers at the top. Yeah. They're both mathematicians and masseuses. Bo they both are? Yeah, both of us were right, Dave and I. They're math... math... math seuses? Yeah. 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 You can beat both, Hunter. Okay. Well, I, either way, I'm not assured by these uh, Chemical Brothers. When you really give this song a listen, it sounds like this, a spaceship is taking... is flying, but then starts to crash, and they're trying to keep their doomed passengers calm. This song, like most big beat, gives me anxiety, and I can't listen to it that often. Uh, like, you better be doing an activity or working it out like the the Mathsuses, mm -hmm. um, because sitting still while listening uh, to this will give you a personality disorder. Uh, fuck the moon. Here's here's that danger. Does this sound like a happy time in space? No. No. Oh, sounds like they're gonna work it out though. By the way, this was a number 17 hit in the UK, and this album went top 10. This was a major pop success. So weird. 
It's so weird people like this at that scale. But I guess there's only like 5,000 people in the UK, so only a couple yeah, of them have to like it. It's about the size of Michigan. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at Michigan and what got popular there, like Kid Rock and Eminem. Yeah. You know, of, of course, it's, it's a lower bar. Um, remember when Dave said he was he'd point out the repetitiveness? Yeah, I remember that. Well, he he did. Well, we started the song over anyway, so fuck you, Dave. Any more fun facts? <laughs> uh, wait, how's that a fuck you, Dave? Don't worry about it. Fun fact? Uh, wait, one, one last... Oh, yeah, you were just saying that, like, completely separate of anything else. It was like, oh, here's this, and, uh, oh, fuck you, Dave. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, he was saying that's a fun fact. Put yeah. your hat... Now your it's hat, my turn for a fuck put fact. Put your hat forward again. We're through. I did that to make you feel better about your stupid hat. Hunter? Did you say Hunter? No, I said Hunter. It kind of sounded like you said Hunter. Oh my though. God! Okay. You know, yeah, took, I, heard, I heard it. You know, it. it took people until I was a, a senior in high school before they figured they could figured out they could call me that. <laughs> well, that's when you learned that word. Approximately. Yeah, no, that's kind of, that's kind no. of advanced. That's an advanced swear. Um. Okay. So, uh, uh, one last fun fact about this before we move on. Uh, it's about one of the Chemical Brothers. Uh, Tom Rollins was in a band called Ariel with Matt Berry, who, of course, later found fame with the song One Track Lover. That is a great fucking song. Yep. Alright, can I just say this right off the top? Yes. Welcome to my sophomore year of college, Okay. when a party without Daft Punk is a party not. That's, that's every true. every party I walked into, a keg's over there. As you can hear, Daft Punk is playing. Enjoy yourself. Um. Okay, we're going across the English Channel once again. And I went to a lot of parties because I was cool. Your hat. We established that a lot of parties that were playing Daft Punk. Uh, we were all like, fun. We were at college at the same time. I don't ever remember hearing this at a party. You're like five years older than me. I'm like three years old. You also went to a retard school in <laughs> Michigan State. <laughs> the sophisticates were going to Michigan listening to Daft Punk. <laughs> we, were, we, we were still listening to the Pulp Fiction soundtrack yeah. and Bob Marley's Legend. Yeah. We all had uh, f uh, posters on our wall of uh, John Belushi in a shirt that said college. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as was stated, this is Daft Punk with Around the World from 1997's Homework. Uh, this, this, uh, this, we had a lot of it in Michigan because they took academics seriously at our university. Um, wasn't what did you call it? A retard school? You know it. Pretty much written Look on the that plaque. Bro with his backwards hat. Pretty much written on the plaque outside the, the, the Sparty statue. Well, I know I've told you the story that I got accepted to both, and I, cho I chose Michigan State because I thought a uh, I thought the guitar player from Minor Threat went there. Sure. So maybe you're right. Sure, you got and accepted then it, to both facts. And Dave. then I uh, found out I was wrong about the uh, the guitar player. He went somewhere in, in uh, Chicago. Christ. Okay. More facts. You want to give up. Moonshots make everybody want to give up. So this time Wait. we're hanging out with two French androids. 
Uh, I think android is the proper term. Uh, robots made to appear human, correct? Yes. Um, or is it just the name of that goddamn phone that causes me not to get text from you guys? Um, that's why we switched to Slack. Oh, okay. Uh, Daft Punk is... That's not why we switched they, to Slack. It's because you won't get an iPhone. They are. Uh, Thomas yeah, that's, Bengalter that's and uh, Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. Jesus Christo, what a, what a name. Uh, they they met at secondary school, which I believe is... is, uh, is High say, school? Is it? Yeah. Or is it... Wh where did we go to school again? P-school or retard school? It's not that. No. Okay. Uh, well, anyways, either way, it's in I mean, Paris. Michigan State's a secondary school in that it's most people's secondary choice for a university they want to go to. Um, Tell that to our friends that went to Central. That's a third... That's a third dentistry school. Anyway. Oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Uh, so they met in secondary school in Paris and started a group called Darlin, uh, who is described in a neg in a negative review as a daft punky thrash, or whatever the fuck that means. I don't know. It's a, that's that's British. It's a British slam. Boom. Uh, I, I guess they meant they, uh, they, since they were French, they sucked at rock and roll. So to condense the story, they started doing, uh, electronic shit and got their big break at, get this, Euro, at a rave at Euro <laughs> Disney, <laughs> uh, where they got their, de <laughs> their demo tape in the hands of a dude that I assumed helped the, uh, lead them to the creation of this album. The rest is, uh, robot history. Uh, this particular song is described as French house, which I assumed was a chateau. No, it's a, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that joke, but it's a it's a maison. A chateau is more like a mansion. Uh, this sounds fancy enough. Although I did learn French at University of Michigan, so I do know more than you. I don't know what kind of French they teach at state, but not the correct. Uh, they, te it. they teach French. I learned it at high school <laughs> and uh, then in France. Huh. Uh, interestingly, though, maison sounds more like mansion. Those French, it's like they have a different word for everything. Um, yeah. And also, apparently, French house is a musical style that I think is house music with a light brushing of Euro disco and 70s space disco, which is closely associated with a little genre I'd like to do later called intergalactic funk. Um, Steve, where did uh, this I appear? Some, I got some charts for you again. Uh, this is another big hit. This went top five in the UK. It was sort of a hit in America. It didn't char I don't think it didn't do well on the pop charts, but it did hit number one on the U.S. Dance Singles chart, which is completely separate. Uh, also, Homework was a top ten album in the U.K. Uh, this song uh, presents a choice. Do you want to go around the world or around the Worrell, which is a world but in space? I'd also Thank like you for to making that distinction. I'd never uh, comprehended that. I'd also like to announce that we've gone s too long for Steve's hernia, repaired hernia. He's now removed himself from the chair. I gotta switch it up a little bit. Looks like he's in a lot of pain. I'm not in pain. I just have to switch it up a little bit. He's barking at me a little. Yeah, right. uh, a little crotch, a little crotch bark. Um, <laughs> so, no, so when I was gonna negatively. Uh, uh, um, Interpret this song. I was remembering that this, this was, I was misremembering that this uh, was a a video where choreographed a androids were uh, interspliced with a kid flying a an airplane. That turned out to be uh, "Music Sounds Better with You" by Stardust, which apparently is a Daft Punk side project. I didn't know that. Um, and the video is also Michelle Gondry. Anyways, uh, th th these these things are. 
mixing up. So anyways, this is a blank slate. It's just a bunch of uh, kind of robots bouncing around and doing some sweet karaoke. Choreography around the room. Anyways, this song is clearly, it's not about planes, it's clearly about the life work balance of a satellite, meaning there is none and it is doomed to a Sisyphean existence. Listening to this song too much, uh, like working too many hours, will drive you insane, and that's what awaits you in Moonshots 2000. I don't know what Sisyphean means. Maybe your school was better than mine. Yeah, it was. Listen, listen, guys, school is what you make of it. Hey, can I say this right right at the top? Uh, Hunter, can I ask you this right at the top? Yeah. Uh, are you a hacker? Because this music sounds like what hackers listen to in the movies. Well, yeah, the, the, the jokes I write are shit, so yes, I'm a hacker. Hey-o! 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 I wouldn't say that in the context of the turds that I've been, Dave and I have been dropping. Yeah, we've really, mostly, man. mostly Dave. I would say mostly, uh, I think it's your fault, the lack of response. Uh, you know what, you're right, I just fell on my ass again. Julian? Are you there? To laugh? Maybe I won't come back next week and he'll take you to comedy school again. <laughs> It's good to know. I, That's the most important school of all. Yeah, there it is. We went to Comedy State. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a good one. That's your best one. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so this is number one. It's our last song and my favorite Big Beat album. In fact, I recently heard this and got re-addicted to, the, to it. And it got the ball rolling like Sisyphus for today's show. <laughs> so you can blame the Crystal Method. Uh, this is High Roller from 1997's Vegas, and the only Big Beat album I ever physically owned. Everything else I borrowed from friends. Uh, this is the only Big Beater also on this uh, countdown that is from the United States, specifically Las Vegas, hence the clever el- album title. Oh, being from Vegas is probably also what made them realize that the term High Roller could be used as a double entendre to refer someone who was high or rolling on the drug ecstasy. Steve, uh, I would like to hear your theory, theory on how they named the, their band. I believe it's also a drug reference. Ah. Like Crystal Method. Uh-huh. I think, I, I don't know if you guys got that or not. Yeah. It's, still, it's, still, it's, another, it's another drug reference. Yeah. That's well, what you, he just schooled you. Yeah, I didn't see that. I guess, well, I guess they didn't teach us that at the University of Michigan. Again, there's another, there's another point for state. Uh, Dave? Uh, I'm starting to think uh, being on drugs is what this makes this music interesting, and in turn, why I never found this music to be very interesting. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you just described what makes uh, most music interesting. Honestly, I did enjoy electronic music more than like the one or two times I tried ecstasy. Alcohol with Tony is a drug, Dave, and that's when we listen to Deep Purple. And that's when that's that's what makes music sound good to you. Different drugs make electronica sound good. Yeah, it's all—it's all it's, it's not the it. music; it's the drug. And so, which uh, which drug are you on? Here's the music that makes that that it makes sound better. Yeah, I'm starting to think about all the music we were listening to, and you might have a point. Wait, we're going so long today, guys. Hunter, fun facts. Yeah, I'm just gonna—I'm I'm just gonna get okay. out of, get out out of this one. Okay, the Crystal Method are Ken Jordan and Scott Kirkland. They formed the Crystal Method in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, 
They formed, okay, they're from Vegas, but they formed the Crystal Method in Los Angeles in 1993. They bought a house together in La Crescenta near the 210 freeway. JD? It's my neck of the woods, and I hope they kept their house because if they have kids, because there's good schools there. Uh, yeah, Blah 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 Vegas, another debut album, came out in 1997. It was a big hit, and they never really got back to that level. I assume they're still kicking around the EDM scene trying to get an opening spot for Steve Aoki. Speaking of Steve's, I believe he has fun facts. Yeah, I looked up more about samples, and all the ones on this are from the Apollo 8 mission. Uh, this was the mission took place in 1968. They orbited the moon, but did not land on it. Uh, this was also the first space mission to exit the Earth's gravity and lower atmosphere. And most importantly for this genre, those astronauts were the first humans to see with their own eyes the dark side of the moon. Oh, where where are these vampires? Okay. Well, listen to this scary part of this song. It's uh, part of it. Uh, yeah, so that was the voice of Frank uh, Borman, who was uh, offered command of the first moon landing, but declined and instead retired. That's how scary space is. <laughs> uh, also, Apollo 8 basically paved the way towards a successful moon landing. Uh, and while this song is pretty relaxed, it's a reminder of how little we've pr- progressed since 1968. Um, I could go on a rant about how uh, a lot of petty uh, political infighting and squabbling has led us to this road, but I think we all know where we are right now, and currently we're, we're looking towards billionaires to try to fund us getting back into outer space because we can't fucking do it for mm-hmm. ourselves anymore. Welcome to the... Moonshots 2020. <laughs> Moon All right, 2020. and that was, but that was Moonshots 2000. All right, the uh, future. All right, that was the future. All right. Uh, okay. Anything important? Anybody want to say? Uh, no. Okay. Nah. Uh, what didn't make what the didn't list? What didn't make the list? Steve! Uh, as a Michigander, I gotta represent for the Detroit techno scene here. There's lots of good stuff by Mad Mike Banks, especially under his alias The Martian. There's a lot of shit about space. Uh, also, early pioneer Juan Atkins, who released a concept album called Deep Space in 1995 under his Model 500 alias. JD! I'd say Nine Inch Nails Closer. is It's about a guy having a sadomasochistic affair with a space alien. You get me closer to God means on a spaceship. I want to fuck you like an animal is just a cooler line than I want to fuck you because you're an alien. That's a real good point. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, another, think about it, yeah. I think aliens are pretty yeah. cool, but yeah, animals are cool too. But it sounds better. It's but the, when you have your hat on backwards. Yeah. I want to fuck you because you're an alien. It just yeah. wouldn't have sold as many albums. Yeah. It's true. Well, I mean, I'd rather fuck an alien than an animal, Me though. too, but, you know. I guess it depends on the alien or yeah, the animal. Yeah, you know. If they got a good personality. Right. I chose another space song by the band Failure. It's 1996. It's about space, droney, repetitive, <laughs> lots of swishy laser shit. Might be a little closer to shoegaze, but who even gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. That's right. And that is <laughs> Beyond Yacht Rock. <laughs> Steve, you know, what you're, you know what you're doing next, right? Yes. Uh, we're going to do songs that David Lynch should be using on his soundtracks. Ooh, good. We get to talk Stuff about Twin Peaks. Stuff he hasn't used yet. Spoiler-free talk about the new Twin Peaks. Yes. I better catch up. Or maybe we should make everybody catch, make sure they're caught up on Twin Peaks and just say it all. 
Um, all right, so find this week's Moonshots 2000 playlist by following J.D. Rizner on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy t-shirts, read the captain's blog, send an email, whatever. Go to yacht or Yacht.com to check out the Yachtsky scale. Send questions via Twitter at YachtRock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Rizner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow David, David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Follow Beyond Yacht Rock on Instagram. I lost my last page. Rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help, help us pick up heat. So please take the time today to write us a review. Thanks to Two Muffin Rabbit for sending in the bumpers. Themes by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Recorded today by Matt Brousseau. The Bruce. Thanks to the entire Feral Audio family. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com.